Are you, are you ready? You want to go? It, it's recording, so I'm just oh. getting a sip. Do you want to do the intro? Uh, yeah, we can. I'm excited to talk to you guys. We, really? And because... <laughs> I am. Well, because I do podcast interviews like once a week. Yeah. But I am rarely on anyone else's podcast, so I'm like really looking forward to like being asked questions instead okay. of asking questions. You have Steve, you, ha Steve has some doozies. No, your bar is pretty low, right? <laughs> so you, you don't have like high expectations. You My have, bar like, is just conversation, you know. Yeah, that's a that's the best podcast. It's yeah, just a conversation. I totally agree. It's easiest too. So like, yeah, if it goes off the rails, it's. I okay. mean, unless you're not very chatty. But we all are, I think. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, you're chatty. I know you are. Steve's chatty. I, I I'm chatty. I can get there. Yeah. I have chatty <laughs> potential. But okay, so just for the record, just sorry, people. I may be in and out today, so don't get mad at me. Um. Anyways. Welcome to the Your Creativity Podcast. We have long-form conversations featuring incredible creatives from all walks of life, sharing their unique journeys, and more with our quirky panel of hosts, featuring Dylan Mazziotti, Steve Hatch, Terry Burden, and Jessica Richardson. Welcome to Your Creativity. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Do, I'm Dylan, but seriously, whenever you ask that, am I ever going to say, do you know what? Life is just really shitty. Like, you, you I probably am going to bullshit if, that answer. If and life it's always going to be like, probably can. great, like, whatever. Yeah, you can, you can answer honestly. If I'm not here, usually it's a given that life is probably kind of shitty. So just, yeah. Well, you're yeah. here this week, so even if it is shitty, the, you've yeah. got the face. I'm here at the moment, so life is great. But, but you might leave any second. You've got tires. Yeah. I'm keeping my options open. But oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Before the intro, but yeah, have you ever had like a company come and do your tires like at your house? No. This company does it. So t Tire Revolution. I don't know how I found them. I found them on Facebook, but they come and they'll switch my tires while I'm at work. And then, yeah, it's – I've never had snow tires until, like, I met these guys. I have snow tires now. That's what they're doing. They're are putting on snow tires. Are you going to go do some skiing and stuff like that? Or Maybe. What? I mean, okay, last year, I same snow tires. And I tried to, like, wipe out, and I tried to, like, you know, to slide. I couldn't slide. Like, I was, okay. like – Going up to 18th Avenue in snowstorms. I was driving all around, driving up and down hills. But it's amazing. Snow tires are pretty incredible. I'm not even getting a plug for that. Like, snow tires are pretty good. There we go. Great. <laughs> and our guest is just like, he's such a moron. No, like, of the, What not. am I getting myself into? But today we have Emily Merrill. Hi. A multi-hyphenate. You know, Emily I do some things, as do we all podcast like this like us yes and you had steve on yours i did i had steve on my podcast which was great love talking to steve well she didn't know what to expect so i think she was like had high expectations and was like uh yeah maybe i'll ask him and then like no. so then she interviewed <laughs> me and then she's like i don't know why the hell i interviewed steve this He's is crazy. projection is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a 
love talking to you. It's still in her feed, Steve. So it's <laughs> yeah. It, it it's actually really? one of the most listened to episodes. It's like in the top twenty, I think, out of you know a hundred and sixty something. That's actually pretty good. Do yeah. I need to start you know pushing it to get it back up to like maybe top ten? You could. Okay, I will offer chocolates <laughs> to people that go and listen to this episode. We should leave like an Easter egg, you know, something like we should we should find a, a thing for people to like have to report to show that they listened. Oh, yeah. You know, like a deep cut, like a something. A trivia question. Yeah, yeah exactly. You print that sucker out. You print like just you take a screenshot, bring it in, <laughs> showing that you've listened. Sounds great. Does that work? Yeah. And well, it's, it matters to you if it works. You know, are you going to give them chocolate? How do you okay, know? I'm going to give him a hug. Okay. I'll, d- I'll give him a hug, <laughs> okay. and then it depends. Okay. You'll play it by if ear. If they're pretty nice, maybe I'll give them chocolate. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Now that we've got that cleared up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. You were raised in Arizona. Yes. Oh, oh, what part of Arizona? Mesa. Mesa? Yeah. I lived in Mesa until I was um, 18. And then I went to I went to BYU for one year. And then I thought I had to get out of there. So I went to. You lasted a year. Yes. Well, actually, I always wanted to go to this school that I ended up going to. But my parents were kind of like, we'll disown you if you don't at least try BYU. So I I tried BYU. Um, And then I went to college um, at the University of North Texas, which is like a great music school. Um, I came back and I did actually teach at BYU for a couple of years. So I I made it back there. Um, And now um, I teach at UVU. Very nice. What do you teach at UVU? I teach music. So I teach um, private voice lessons, um, songwriting one and two, and a couple of ensembles. Very nice. And yeah. you're heading down there today. So she's she's got a heart out. So yeah. we, we can't let this go no. the usual three or four hours. No, Emily is a badass. Like, that's <laughs> all I know. Oh, thanks. Uh, okay, so you came from Arizona to here. And yeah, that Arizona, Texas, Utah. Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, and then that's you were right. like, which part of Texas? I'm like the Dallas area. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I really liked it there. And then what brought you back to Utah after school? Great question. So um, I had met my now husband. Um, We were dating long distance. He was living here and I was living in Texas. Um, And when I finished my master's degree, he started a PhD at the U. And so we came back here and we're still here. How did you meet him? Uh, this is also a great question. Did you, so was <laughs> this at BYU? I mean, no. like, so how No, no, it's a better dude? story. So, um, one of my best friends from high school served like an LDS mission in Greece, which is also where my husband, Andrew, uh, served his mission. And our friend just thought these two belong together. And he was right. So he, he set us up, but I only met Andrew because he met my friend, John in Greece. <laughs> so random. Okay, that's actually kind of a cool story. Yeah. That's super yeah, cool. It is. That guy totally deserves brownie points still. He gets them. D- we tell him all the time. We owe our entire life to you, basically. So shout out to John Strobot, in, who still lives in Mesa, Arizona. And that actually probably says a lot that he knew you both well enough to be able to tell that you guys were great together. Totally. He's a great friend and, like, really, he really, like, was on the money with with uh, Andrew and me being compatible. <laughs> he, was, he was right about it. 
well, let's hear about this compatibility thing. Oh. So is there a key thing <laughs> that you that strikes out to you? What what makes a, a couple compatible? What's the most important thing, do oh, you think? I don't know. In fact, what I always say is that if anyone tries to give you relationship advice, you should probably not listen to it because every relationship is totally different. Yeah. Um, but what I will say, this is like a theory that I've been kind of working on, and, and uh, I've talked about it on my podcast a few times, but... I kind of think like we all have many soulmates and there are like friend soulmates and there are like, you know, uh, art soulmates. There are like humor soulmates. But, you know, just like when you meet someone that you're just like, this person really gets like this thing about me. And if you get like a really, really good one, like a like a high level type of kind of just same wavelength um, and you also like have compatible lifestyles like that's going to be a person that like if you're attracted to them you might get married you know so or you know that person might become like your best friend or that person might be you know a, par a person you start a business with or something so Andrew and I have like a weird thing where we kind of can read each other's minds like we just understand we communicate like really efficiently we're always one of us will say something very like nebulous and the other will be like I know exactly what you mean and we'll say it back and we'll both be like yes so that's kind of the so he can translate Emily language yes and 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 mostly I can translate Andrew language it's it's often that that's actually <laughs> my wife good. and I are similar <laughs> yeah. even back when we first met we worked at Zuka Juice together cool and there would be times where it was busy and we would just like look at each other we knew what the other one needed yeah to do for that situation and you know we've been married 22 years now so it's a very comforting thing to have someone who just kind of gets they just get you yeah yeah do you remember where do you remember the first date well we so we didn't meet until we'd already been talking for like six months so our first date date we went to like you know a restaurant and then went uh putt-putt golfing or no we just went to like a driving range um and in retrospect this was the wrong place to take me because i'm deeply uncoordinated as a human but i was able to make contact with like one golf ball and i, I kid you not it hit like a duck like <laughs> out in the it hit like and so the duck was like and then count. <laughs> yeah and then everybody and then everybody like was looking at me like i did it on purpose and i was like i I could never do that again in a million years, but <laughs> so you are amazing. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, the other swings just mostly didn't didn't even didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but the the one that I made contact with, then made contact with a little duck out on the green. And then it okay, so and then relationships. So did you always click from that point on? I mean, you clicked on the phone or, yeah. or internet or whatever. Yeah, phone. We started talking on the phone. The first time we talked, it was kind of like, oh, let's just, you know, appease our friend. You know, our friend was like, you have to talk. So we were like, okay, we'll have a conversation. And then we just kept talking and we would be, you know, we'd find ourselves talking for like hours and hours. Um, and then I think we both were kind of thinking like, what is this? What are we doing? You know? Um, and luckily, Andrew, my husband, had already agreed to go to Arizona to like sell pest control for the summer. You know, we were young, just to do a little summer job to hang out with our mutual friend, John. And I had planned to go home to like just see my family for the summer. So we m were able to meet like we didn't ha we didn't ever have to kind of like choose to go meet each other. He was just going to be living there. I think we might have both 
been too shy. <laughs> it might have taken longer. Um, but we were able to kind of like meet in person and then pretty quickly, like a day or two in, we were like, so what are we doing? <laughs> what is this? We talk on the phone all the time. Um, and then we dated long distance for two years. And then the first time we lived in the same state we, was when after we got married. Was he into music and stuff also? Yes. So that's maybe one of the reasons why our friend thought we would be compatible. Um, the school that I went to is a great like um, program for jazz studies. And so Andrew, my husband, had started out as a jazz studies major on drums. Um, and our mutual friend John knew that. So um, he was like, you know, I know this other this other person who um, studies jazz like somewhere in Texas and Andrew when they were in Greece was like well where in Texas and um, he had actually done like some summer camps on drums as a kid at the school that I went to and he had kind of thought about going there so he was like I, absolutely I need to talk to her so yeah it was like totally meant to be yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then you talked about so you you then went to school your music emphasis and now you teach music. Mm -hmm. You teach voice. Yeah. And do you play? How many instruments do you play? I play just piano, but mostly my instrument is voice. So I'm mostly I'm a singer. I play piano just kind of well enough to. I I never really perform on piano. Um, I play piano like while I'm teaching. D is music to you just like a career, or what mm -hmm. about music do you love? Like Excel excellent question. <laughs> yeah. Was there a follow-up question? Was there well, like a Second I part. mean, I have my own opinions, but I let's go with that, and then we'll. Okay. I'll, I'll add. <laughs> yeah, actually, so I feel like the things that are important to me are just like I'm. I'm creativity is where it's at for me. Music just kind of. I, I think about this a lot, and I, I talk about this a lot with my podcast guests because I, I interview all kinds of artists, um, and the, basically the way that I think about it for myself is like, you know. I was always a creative child and music was kind of just what was available to me and kind of suited, you know, it, it was the resources that I had and it also kind of, you know, suits my personality in plenty of ways. What, like, like, um, what type of music or when any I was of little, the, yeah. Or what music? Yeah, well, what we had a piano, to? so we had a piano in the house. So I was always kind of, you know, just like goofing around on the piano as a little kid and then started taking lessons when I was little and then yeah I was always singing it was mostly Broadway like we had you know a Phantom of the Opera cassette tape and a Les Miserables set ta cassette tape um, so I was always singing around and then when I was pretty little I started doing like you know children's choirs like they have it like the Madeline um, just across one of the streets downhill from where we are um, so I was doing you know children's choirs and then it, this is what I'm saying is kind of just like the resources that were, it was just kind of the they path were, that yeah. I got on. Um, but I don't think I love music. Like some musicians love music where it's like, it's, it's music or nothing. I think for me, I would have been satisfied by like many different types of creative outlets. Music just happens to be the one that I've invested like most of my time in and where most of my skills are now. But w if you hadn't have gone music, where would you, what would you have done? Well, I have no idea, but I love writing. So, I mean, I think I am a writer. I write a lot, but mostly I get paid for music and I write for fun. But, you know, if I had been maybe a writer, I, maybe I would have done music for fun. You know, I don't know. And I, I like a lot of visual art. I'm not, I'm not, I have no training. So, you know, but, but I like it. So maybe if I had had, you know, parents or someone in my life who'd been a visual artist and had kind of nurtured that, like, who knows, but 
Yeah. Do you remember what style of music did your parents listen to or did you listen to around the home? Yeah, so a lot of Broadway. Like my both of my parents like musical theater and then um like Michael Jackson, Madonna, Earth, Wind and Fire. <laughs> so like eighties oh and like Journey, like eighties rock and pop and Broadway is what there was in my childhood. And then now, how has it evolved? So now if you are just listening for entertainment or for yeah. yourself, what do you like where do you go to? Well, here's the truth. I work in music so much that I don't listen to music for fun very often. I, my ears are fatigued. So You're I like, listen to I podcasts. You're like, I want noise canceling, like, yeah. ear, ear I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And even when I'm listening to music that's, like, you know, for fun, it's also kind of just, like, I'm studying it. I'm thinking about, like, which of my classes can I, like you know, talk about it in. So it's very difficult for me to listen to music like just for fun. It's even if I'm trying to, it's kind of always, it's, I'm thinking you're about work. You're analyzing yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, once you see how the sausage is made, you lose taste for actually having, eating the and sausage. It's not to yeah. say that I don't love listening yeah. to music. I just struggle to like shut the part of my brain off that's w working. But I obviously really like it. You know, I, a music like really turns my brain on in a way that's very satisfying. It just, it's just, uh, it doesn't feel like play as much as it, or like a rest, you know, as much as it, it used to. Can you tell a difference when you listen to a musician or music, somebody that did it for money or somebody that's doing it for a passion? Okay, how do you tell the difference? No, I can't tell the difference. I, I, I think I was nodding like I understand your question, not like as a yes. Um, no, I mean, I think maybe you can kind of, I wouldn't say like, for money but I think you can sometimes hear when someone's had like training you know you can maybe hear if someone's like had lessons or if they're playing kind of like they have been exposed to like music education um, but I mean certainly there's plenty of overlap and I personally just feel like music is like our our human right you know like our species has been making music singing dancing making you know percussion since the beginning of time since the beginning of our species. So I just, I'm, I love watching people just participate in music regardless of how they're doing it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And obviously you love to pass that on. I do. So is that why you love teaching? It is. Um, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I'm, I'm really open about it, but um, my parents are really abusive people. And so when I was a kid, my music teachers, especially my art teachers, were like the adults that were trusted others, you know, trusted adults in my life. And so I don't have children, but I teach, you know, so I feel like I kind so of. So you don't have, have one kid. You have like a hundred. Yeah, well, I have a friend who calls it like OPKs, other people's kids. Um, and so I like I, I was grateful for the adults in my life who had a little extra bandwidth to like love me. And so I think it can be good to have some like childless adults, you know, in circulation to like pick up, pick up some slack or to offer something, you know, to other people's kids that maybe those parents can't offer. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel like kind of ethical and sort of karmic about my teaching. Yeah. I mean, if you run into a student down the road 10 years from now, what would be the one lesson that you hope that they've learned from you? Oh, I, I mean, gosh, I don't know. I think I just hope that they feel like, you know, a growth mindset, that they feel like they can always keep learning, that they don't feel kind of like their skill sets are like more important than their like humanity or their kind of 
personhood. Um, I think that's kind of like at the root of all the teaching that I do, that it's, it's less about the, you know, the, the, even the progress we're making and more about like, you know, what's it doing for us as, as people. Obviously, you know, when I have students who are, are wanting to be professional musicians, you know, I'll talk to them about this is the industry standard. This is what you need to be able to do to kind of get paid for these things. But in terms of just like, you know, participating in art, it feels very open to me. <laughs> like, you know, try things, see what you think, follow your passion, etc. <laughs> give it, give it some, make sure it has that soul yeah. that in there. Yeah. I mean, what's art for? If not, if not that. Okay, Broadway music. Sure. Is there <laughs> is there a musical that has stood mm. the test of time? I and mean, is still something that you think is an amazing piece of work. Les Mis is like, Les Mis is the best. Like it, I've seen it probably ten times, and I love it every time. The music is fantastic. The story is great. Um, I don't know, but like a lot of musicals, I think are have stood the test of time. But I think Les Mis is kind of it'll get you in the heart and in the gut every time. <laughs> How do you feel about them making musicals out of everything? You know, those wedding mm. singer, back to the future, you know, mean girl. Like yeah. I feel fine about it. <laughs> if someone wants to do it and other people want to watch it. Great. Yeah. It just sometimes it just feels like overkill to me. It's like, yeah, I think I just feel like there's something for everyone. Not everything's for everyone. I haven't seen like a lot of those shows, um, but like if there's a market for it, you know, if someone was able to get it produced, that probably means someone was interested in it. And, you know, I, w I feel like any creativity that like exists is mostly good. <laughs> you listen to them, but do you remember the first Broadway show you actually went and saw live? I mean, I, I'm sure it was Les Mis. Like in I, New York? In, uh, at the Grady Gamage Theater at Arizona State University. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, the off-Broadway, like, touring theater. It um, was an autumn afternoon matinee. <laughs> I don't know. Tickets um, were. <laughs> my parents were, like, you know, as much as they were, like, abusive people, they they really were great about um, giving us experiences. So, you know, they would get really, really good tickets, like, close to the front a lot of the time, like, expensive tickets probably. I don't know, but I would assume probably. Um, and you know, they took us to see a lot of a lot of Broadway shows, which I really appreciate. And you know, took us to lots of big cities in the country and museums. So um, you know, I do obviously appreciate that. But yeah, I, I was really blessed to see a lot of great like live Broadway shows as a kid. Do you think that Broadways can change the outlook of a community? Or, or or society do you think it has that strong of a role that it can send a message or that it can guide us to be differently musicals yeah i mean or music sure. I like mean, I, any of that yeah i think i feel this way about any art you know and a community is kind of a broad term but like a community could be a family a community could be a school class so sure i mean i think pretty much anytime we're exposed to any art it, it has the potential to have an effect on our communities. Yeah, on the communities we're part of, for sure. Okay. Let's let's talk to your music since we've gone on a few. Wait, are you trails. just saying I'm way out there and left? <laughs> no, I yeah, just I didn't have ADD. 
<laughs> you know, it's just fine. Rain me in. <laughs> You've got multiple albums. Mm-hmm. How many? Three. Three? Okay. It seemed like more than that. Maybe I saw I've been a guest on a couple of other people's oh, okay. records, but three original albums. Yeah. And when did when did you start? How long ago did you start doing those? So my first album came out in uh, 2012, right after I finished grad school. Um, that's my most like jazzish album. My my degrees are in jazz performance, so I've actually never performed Broadway music professionally. I did it in high school, and I haven't done it since. Um, but uh, yet, I probably won't ever. You know, I mean, it's it, Broadway. Broadway is like a very different work schedule you know like it's rehearsals in a way that my freelance schedule I don't know if I could make it work but yeah I mean never say never who knows <laughs> yeah, who knows um but uh yeah so my first album came out in uh, 2012 and I was I had written all of that music while I was in school um and then my next album um came out in 2020 2020 in 2020 um, and then I just released another album in uh, like 2022, like about a year ago. And do you have any particular f- like super favorite one of those or songs yeah. off of those? Well, they're they're concept records, yeah. so it's it's like I I love like the whole project. Um, but yeah, I mean certainly I have like favorite songs from each one, but um, each project that I've done I, I like better than the previous ones, and I think that's just because you know, whatever I've made most recently reflects who I am most recently. It feels the most kind of true. So, yeah. Nice. Um, You're also part of a a non-profit, the Calliope? Oh, yeah. Actually, I just, I'm not doing that anymore. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I need to change my bio. They were such morons. That company was just (laughs) horrible. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. No, it's honestly just kind of not happening. Like we, we kind of started it in during the pandemic, um, and then when things got back to normal, I think it was just like, wait, we don't have time for this. This. Yeah. So I I think the the other woman, um, Jennifer Madsen, who I started it with, is um, I'm not sure kind of what she's doing with it right now, but. Um, I just, I, I kind of took myself, like, I'm just, you know, kind of like a, a board member. Did music change th- um, during COVID? Or mm. either music itself or how the audiences? I don't, I haven't experienced that personally. So, no. <laughs> You're like, no, Steve, good try. That was from a good one. In, from my personal experience, no. But artists who do a lot of touring might have different thoughts about it about that a follow-up to that how did it did it affect you what were you doing just Mm. before and you know what what it affected me by like deleting (laughs) almost all of my (laughs) income (laughs) you know i mean i think the entire performing arts just Just, were gone during 2020 um but i will say it was an interesting time for so like i wrote my most recent album the hallowed wide during that time um, I've heard a lot of artists talk about kind of having time for the first time in, you know, a really long time. Yeah. So I did a lot of projects in 2020 um, just that were really satisfying f- for myself. So I don't know. It had that positive effect in terms no. of my income. It had a, a very negative effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But OK, but the thing that you said something for yourself, I actually think COVID made me focus more on what things I actually r- truly loved. Totally. Then and which is kind of what you were saying yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, just some time to kind of sit and reflect and think like what are we doing? What 
am I doing? Um, and, you know, start some new projects, have some new thoughts. So I think I'll always kind of appreciate, I think we, in many ways, we'll all kind of appreciate the, the weirdness of that time for that reason. Yeah. I, I'm a little mad at myself. I didn't take more advantage of it. Mm. Yeah. But. Like more quarantining yourself? No, just that, like, I would just sit there and watch, you know, watch things instead of, like, developing things. Sure. Well, sometimes, you know, some I think some people just really needed a break. Yeah, I don't work that hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't need a break from anything. I tend to feel like it's actually something that, I've, that I'm kind of thinking about, you know. It's New Year's resolution time, right? Like, we're kind of, it's that time of year where you might be kind of thinking, what will the next year look like for me? And... I, it is something I have in the back of my mind to like slow, you know, to learn how to slow down more. I usually yeah. find that when I stop moving quickly, that's when I get like really anxious <laughs> and like all of the, you know, the scaries rise up. So like, no. I'm usually busy. I kept it simple last year. Not die. <laughs> yeah, or no, that was a good resolution. Mid-November. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. You, you're crushing. I mean, you're you very much alive. Together, so yeah. like you could still <laughs> fuck I it still up. have six. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> <Not that laughs> oh my gosh so your podcast the way i found out about it is we had ben brown yeah ben brown on last time and i was researching him and yeah. you interviewed him um i i didn't research back how far how long ago you started and you know that's the kind of the yeah. history but i did check out steve's a little bit so you want me to talk about it yeah go yeah. for it um so i started yeah. the oh and how people oh. can find it okay great so the podcast is called artifice um a-r-t-i-f-i-c-e it's kind of similar it's related to the word artificial but kind of has a different meaning um but i started the podcast right as i was leaving byu and also like leaving the mormon church um and I just was kind of feeling like dark on people. Like my experience teaching at BYU had been like just really disappointing. Um, and I think I just was wanting to, you know, just build community with creative people, with artistic people, with people who, you know, are full of wonder. Um, and so I thought, well, everybody's so busy. If it's, if I'm just like, let's grab lunch, no one will have time. But if I start a podcast, then people will do it and people will come and talk to me. Um, and so I started the podcast and I, I wanted to just interview all kinds of artists. I knew that right away, not just musicians, but all sorts of artists. Um, and it's evolved a lot, but so it started in 2019 and I've, um, I'm just about to start recording, um, season 10 of the podcast. Um, I've recorded about 275 interviews, I think. Um, they're not all out, but I've recorded about you that You've got many. a speed. You're, you're yeah. 183. <laughs> well, I do a lot, but when did you guys start? 2000... 16 or 17. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, just show up when Dylan tells me to show up. And then that's <laughs> it. So Steve's been on since episode four, I believe. Oh, cool. I don't know. But yeah, I've r I really like it. I feel like it's like, you know, it started to kind of leave me with a, a, like a body of knowledge that, I, that I, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do with it. But just having these kind of in-depth conversations with so many artists, I think it's, it's, it's honestly like kind of changed my worldview and I'm still trying to figure out like exactly what I think about it. Um, but certainly like it has been like a, a, a big 
um, part of my like heart space, you know, since I started it. Yeah, the same for us. It just it, you know, if if I didn't have it, I think there would just be like an empty yeah. spot in my life and just totally. You know, talking just to all sorts of people. One week it can be an artist, next week a musician, the next week yeah. an actor. It's well, like we were saying, you know, we were kind of chatting about before, like con- conversation is so important. I've, I've started to realize even just in the last year, I think good conversation, like not small talk, but like proper conversation is like a, a need. You know, like it's something that I deeply need to feel, you know, alive and to feel like joyful And I think it's something that we don't practice enough, especially having conversations with strangers, with people who we haven't met before. So it's almost become for me like a like a soul practice, you know, to sit down um, with someone who I've usually never talked to. I do sometimes interview friends, but, um, you know, and to kind of think like, what is what is the what is the conversation that we're going to create that we're going to improvise together on this day in this time? with like, you know, the people that we are, not just in our lives, but like today, you know, um, with our bad moods, with our good moods, with our manic, with our depressed, whatever, you know? It, is there a question that you think is the most important question to ask? Or what, what's your most important question you want to, you don't think is used enough? I don't know about that, but what I will say is like the, the goal that I have when I, start an interview and uh, you know I really try to meet this goal I think sometimes I do it really well and sometimes I don't quite get there but my goal is always that my guests like feel like I've really seen them during the time that we're together so I I try really hard to like ask them whatever question I think they want to be asked you know um whether or not they like know you know I want to try to ask them about things that will make them be like oh I haven't thought about this, you know, or something like that. I want them to leave feeling like I got them, you know. What's your pre-interview process or your routine? Um, nothing really. Usually what I do, like, so when, I, when I'm looking for new guests to interview, um, usually I just, like, I'm always looking around on, like, Instagram or Facebook. I'm in a lot of, like, art groups. Um, and I'll just, like, if I see something or hear something that I just think, like, that looks rad or, like, that sounds really cool, I'll just reach out to that person. So, like, last week I interviewed, or a couple weeks ago, I interviewed this woman who, um, she runs this company that she calls um parrot kindergarten and she teaches birds to read like she teaches like really (laughs) smart parrots to read um and she works with like different universities and like you know neuroscientists it's all very like you know um rigorous but i just thought i mean that's art how is that not art you know teaching like interspecies communication so you know i just saw that and thought well that's fucking rad (laughs) can i talk to her you know so that's my pre-interview process. And hopefully she'll bring a parrot. <laughs> no. Well, she lives um, in Florida. So we talked just digitally, but I didn't get to meet any of the parrots. But Stupid parrots. <laughs> you know, they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing parrots. They're smart, smart girls. <laughs> Keep an eye on her. Maybe down the road you can interview the parrot directly. Yeah, maybe so. Well, I might need uh, Jennifer to... Um, to mediate, to translate, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah, the, these parrots are like they're incredible. They're capable of so much. It's it's rad. It's cool. It's cool. Well, it, who inspires you? Life, music, mm. etc. I mean, I, it's actually something I talk about in therapy so much. I feel like it's like my my uh, 
the thing that I keep coming back to is like I'm a hopeful person. I'm kind of like a chronic optimist. Um, and I find that uh, I'm inspired by like all kinds of things literally all the time. I have inspiration like uh, what's it? Overstimulation. I'm, I'm always inspired. So I don't know. I can't tell you something. It's like everything all what the time. What does not inspire <laughs> you? Is there anything that does not inspire you? Yes. A lack of curiosity does not inspire me. When people aren't curious, there's nothing, there's nothing kind of ickier than that to me. It's like, why aren't you curious about anything? You know. Yeah. Or, yeah. or why aren't you curious about this? Like, a- anytime somebody can just make a decision about something without investigating it a little, or can make a decision about someone without investigating a little. I know this is something Steve and I are on the same page about. <laughs> we talked about this in our interview, but I feel like most of the time people are good. Um, and I, you know, I feel like most of the time the world is beautiful. And if that's not your experience, like you might not be curious enough. I like that. I totally like that outlook. What do you think of, okay, you be you. How important is that, the musical department there? And has it, where do you see it going in the future? Do you want to, do you see that? Yeah. And then also, where's your goal? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Okay, great questions. Um, okay, so for UVU, in terms of like the school, I'd know very little. Like I'm just, I How walk into, I walk into the music building that. and that's what I know. Um, but I will say I'm very proud of our the degree that I work in which is the commercial music degree um, our faculty are like some of the most talented musicians in the state of Utah it's like a stellar faculty very diverse like lots of different you know backgrounds and opinions and skill sets um, the facilities are great the curriculum is awesome so I feel really proud of like what we're building and what we've built um, and definitely think it's like kind of gonna become like one of the better music programs that our state has to offer um, you know and especially for commercial music I, I I think that's true it's just my opinion but and obviously I'm biased but um, but yeah I feel really proud of the school um, and then you asked like how important it is to me um, it's super important to me. I was I, I have referenced therapy already once, but I went there today, so I'm thinking about it. But I was just telling my therapist earlier today, when I started college, I thought I thought my main job would be being a college professor. Like I thought I was gonna be a, a music professor. As it turns out, I make most of my income performing. Um, so I, I, it's something we haven't talked about really yet and we don't really need to, but I, I run a wedding band. So that's like where, that's where like most of my income comes from. I, wor- I work in like the wedding industry. Um, but teaching, you know, high level skills to like artists who are, who are, you know, setting an intention to, to dedicate their lives to music and to the arts. Um, it's it's really important to my soul and to my brain so I, I really enjoy it it's it's I would be devastated to to lose that um, creative outlet and you asked where I want to be in 10 years I have no fucking idea um, I want to be happy <laughs> you know I want to be like creatively satisfied um, right now I love all of the projects that I'm working on I would love to be doing mostly the same thing that I'm doing now in 10 years, but maybe, you know, I'm a little better at it. <laughs> maybe I'm <laughs> like, you know, maybe I've made it some of my projects a little more efficient and I'm I have done. a little more I'm free time. So th- <laughs> I don't have anything else to prove. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel pretty, I feel pretty satisfied by my choices and my path. Is there a wedding song that you will refuse to play 
or that you hate <laughs> to perform at weddings? Those are different questions. So um, there is nothing I will refuse to do. I mean, unless it's like, I don't know, racist or something. Like, I'm sure that exists. Um, but mostly the way that I usually like will talk about this is like my job as a wedding singer is to facilitate joy. My job is to like make space for the wedding guests to have joy. And so whatever is going to make that happen, I am happy to do. Um, songs that I hate singing, I hate singing Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. There's nowhere to breathe. I hate it. It's just a terrible song, too. I love Taylor to death. And I listen to her when I drive around. Yeah. Yeah, that's I for, for even a 48-year-old man to say. No, no. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say it's a terrible song. Yeah. I just, I, it's it's a terrible experience for me as a singer. <laughs> I just don't want to <laughs> sing it. I don't mind listening to it. I just, it just doesn't, I don't like how it sits in my voice and there's nowhere to breathe. And it bums me out to have to sing it. <laughs> I'll have to listen to it again to like the breathing I'm always like, part. Ah, 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 shake it off. No, there's nowhere to breathe. <laughs> I am done. Yeah. I'm done with it. One this. time I, I played a gig at the, the top of the mountain at um, Snowbird. You know, they have that tram and th- there's a venue yeah. at, at the top there. It's like 11,000 feet. And I was playing Shake It Off and I, I literally started to like black out because like the air is so thin and there's nowhere to breathe. I looked over at like all the horn players and they were also looking woozy, all the wind <laughs> instruments. And I was like, we should probably take a break now. We can't shake this off. <laughs> we truly cannot shake it off. The air is so thin. I was like, I'm going to pass out. So let's uh, put the playlist on for a minute and take a little take a little break. That's like way funny you said that because, OK, years and years ago. I actually went to a concert at a ski resort, yeah. and it was in the summer, and I still remember. It was um, Blues Traveler was one of oh, the cool. bands, and cool. I happened to be writing for a newspaper, oh, so I was yeah. behind the stage, yeah. and I just remember seeing John Popper, and um, this was before he lost a lot of weight, mm. and I just remember thinking, I am going to witness him dying on stage because he was he was puffing oxygen just to go up three stairs to yeah. go onto the stage to sing. Oh my so gosh. Altitude. Yeah. Does that make a difference in singing? Absolutely. Um, and actually like, you know, back to Broadway again, I like when, when a touring singers come to, you know, a place like Utah or maybe Colorado, they, they have oxygen backstage because it is so difficult. So I actually, in many ways, I like this because when you're training in a place that's really hard, if ever I play, like I, I played in Texas a couple of years ago and I felt like I had super lungs. I was like, I felt like I never needed to breathe and I could sing like way longer phrases than I usually can. And everything felt easy so in some ways it's kind of nice to like train in the place that's you know there you hard. go future magi- musicians like <laughs> yeah. train in utah at the uenas or somewhere yeah yeah actually um mindy pack who's a great voice teacher here and she happens to she teaches voice lessons to a bunch of celebrities like she teaches justin timberlake and miley cyrus she wants to open like a, a tour like a boot camp here Wow. For like famous people to come and train here for that exact reason. So I wouldn't have even shout out to of Mindy. That. That's yeah. crazy. That's I hope awesome. she can do it because it's, I mean, it's really true. It's and and yeah, I hope she hope she does that. Wow. You guys should have her cool. on too. Maybe I don't know. If she's as cool as you. So she like she is. She's very I mean, cool. There's potential, <laughs> but I don't know. But thanks. We'll see. Yeah, hook us up. Um, what situations are most creative for you? Working with others, working by yourself, you know? I, 
I think the way that it feels to me is like my creativity has a bunch of different shapes. I, I was actually talking about this with a friend recently. Like, I feel like creativity is like part of your personality rather than like, you know, a specific medium. So I like to think more like when someone is a creative person, I want to ask myself like, how is their creativity showing up in like all the different facets of their life? Like how is their creativity showing up in their parenting? How is their creativity showing up in? So I think for me, it's maybe more like my creativity takes on kind of different shapes, like based on what I'm doing. But I will say like, I, I like to work alone most of the time when I'm, when I, most of the time when I feel the kind of creativity that like I'm most addicted to the kind of creativity that like, I loved as a child it's usually solitary and I call it like sometimes I'll call it like getting dreamy like I'll, I'll say like I'll say like I'm feeling really dreamy today and you know it might be like like last weekend I had you know a day off wedding season's ending so I had like a free Saturday for the first time in a while and I went out in like my backyard which I I call it like the garden you know like <laughs> like, a, like it's a British estate um, and I, I actually hired a gardener after my knee surgery to like help and she's an artist so we're kind of collaborating but I just went out in in the garden and was kind of making plans and trying to think like what projects do I want to do next and what's kind of like my vision um, and so that's just, you know, in my mind, like thinking things and writing them down. But I, I think that kind of like planning and sort of like, you know, dreaming about like a, a new project, whether it's music, whether it's some, you know, a new, um, like a new lecture that I want to try to introduce in one of my classes or, um, yeah, a, 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 like a little art project. Like sometimes I'll get, you know, a wild hair and like think of like a craft that I want to make, like to you know, put on the mantle for the holidays or something like that, or, you know, maybe a menu for a dinner party. So that could be, it could be, you know, an album. It could be something else that's work related, or it could be just, you know, something that sounds fun. Um, that's my favorite kind of creativity. Very cool. Now, now with the students, are, is there times that you guys, um, like produce something, you know, um, unique or just you do you know you pick apart something that's already out there and commercial or do oh yeah well I teach songwriting so okay. you know in in I teach songwriting one and songwriting two at UVU and so those classes are like yeah they're very creative but like I said I mean I I really try to always like the question that I feel like I'm always trying to ask myself is like how can we max maximize our creativity like with this so you know how do we max maximize our creativity with like our technique um, with like the muscles, with like how we're singing, how we're creating sound. How can we maximize our creativity as teachers? How can we maximize our creativity as composers? How do I maximize my creativity as like a wedding vendor? You know, um, I, I think about that a lot because it seems maybe like something that wouldn't be that creative. Um, but I find it to be like very creative in many ways. But um, yeah, does that answer your question I with my so. students? <laughs> yeah, I'm always trying to like, I'm always talking about creativity. Like, where is there room? What can we do? And maybe more thinking like, where do we find the creativity in like the task at hand? Back to the, the wedding band. How did that come about? That just feels kind of random with somebody that's it, like... It is kind of random. So um, I work for a company called um, Historical Events Company, and they're based in New York. Um, but the company was started by some musicians, um, like four kind of partners that kind of started the company, all musicians, just 
hustling and working in New York and kind of thinking, you know, there's maybe a better way to do this. So they started a company um, that um, I'm trying to think of like how to say the right amount without too much, without it getting boring. But but basically they hire like a local person in, you know, all the big cities around. It's it's actually kind of like an international company now, always growing. Um, It's in most most places in the world where there are where there's a need for bands um but they hire a local person to then build the the kind of brand in the place so um when they started kind of getting like you know inquiries or like clients who were booking events weddings or corporate events in utah you know when they had enough of those they realized well we need to bring someone on for like that our team there um, and so one of the partners of the company, who's um, my friend Curtis, he came out and kind of scouted around um, and just decided that I was the right fit for that position. So I started this job in um, spring of 2015. So I'm, I just finished my eighth summer um, running the band. Nice. And it's grown a lot. So it's, it's, it's nice because the company handles like marketing, accounting, legal the so you, stuff ju- you just I show don't. up and sing? No, no. I do more than that. I do a lot of admin. So the, basically the way that it works is like if a client goes onto the website, you know, or if a client types into Google, like wedding in Park City, Utah, because, you know, we have a great marketing team who <laughs> knows their SEO shit. Um, you know, our, our website will come up. And when they type in, you know, Park City or so I run everything in Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. So if their location is any of those places, their email will come directly to me. They don't ever talk to anyone yeah. else. And then I like help them figure out what they want. I build them a quote. Um, once they've kind of sent their deposit, then I hire the musicians. I work with the planner and the bride or whoever to kind of make sure we have all their details and communicate that to the band. Um, and then I sing in the band. So that's how it works. That's so that's cool. cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's great. It's a great job. I love doing it. Do you have anything else to ask, Steve? No, let's do the bonus. Do, do you have anything you want to add before we go to the bonus questions? No, but I'm an open book. If there's anything you think of okay. that you want to ask me, so I'll talk about I anything. Do. Sometimes I do during the bonus questions. Okay, so great. We'll see how it goes. What does creativity mean to you? Mm, well, I mean, like I said before about curiosity, like I think curiosity is kind of at the root of creativity. Asking a question honing your perspective, building a skill, trying to think of like, you know, where can I move the needle? What paths can I find? I think creativity can be so many different things depending on what you're talking about. Like you can apply creativity like in traffic, you know, like how can I oh, use People cre- do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, uh, yes, people do it in all kinds of ways. Right but lane, left but lane, right Yeah, lane. but or just to be thinking like how can I be creative with like not feeling rage at my fellow humans on the road? Can I think creatively? Can I can I design a story that would make me feel better about all of these people? Can I design a story that makes me feel better about this person who cut me off or, you know, so I, I think creativity is like a state of mind, you know, more than kind of anything else. Yeah, it's the way you approach everything. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Who is your favorite Muppet and why? <gasps> My favorite Muppet? Listen, here's the truth. I haven't really watched that much Muppets, but mm, if I have to, can are Sesame Street Muppets Muppets yeah, too? Yeah, Jim Henson created okay. creature. I mean, I don't know. Maybe um, Grover. 
Grover just seems like a pragmatist, you know? <laughs> I like Grover. Yeah. Grover, Grover seems chill. Grover seems like he, you know, you could go to Grover in any situation and just be like, Grover, what's going on, man? And he'd be like, here it is. And a lot of the other Muppets seem a little erratic. And he's a superhero, too. Yeah, he has a cape. I didn't even know that. Oh, well, those are the episodes you should actually watch. <laughs> okay. Like, you, you can YouTube that shit. But also, like, you know, there's a place in my heart for Oscar the Grouch. You know? We all get to feel grumpy He's sometimes. A, I think I am Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> Gonzo's my favorite, but, like, I think Oscar's my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. such a grouch all the time. <laughs> um, my wife does a perfect Grover impression. Oh, yeah? Like... She, she was reading the monster at the end of the book to my son, and she had a cold, and it just clicked. It was like perfect. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I love it. I need to think about this more. I need to like think about the Muppets. Yeah, I don't know. Next is in the film of your life, who would play you, and what genre would that film be? Oh my God! Well, I hope it would be Reese Witherspoon. Um, I always feel like maybe she looks like she could be my older sister. Um, what would the genre be? Mm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe just like something with a lot of dialogue. You know, something that's kind of thought-provoking. I think we call that drama, but maybe more like a chill drama. There's a little humor. What do we call that? What kind of movie is that? A dramedy? A drama. Oh, dramedy. Or just that like a good. yeah, sure. Yeah, or just like a like a a, a human study. You know, like a little a little window. You're gonna be a documentary. I mean, You're I would. You're gonna be just a doc, like a serious documentary, with I, a little humor. I I can see that. I I would love to be the subject of a documentary. I think that would be so cool. If someone thought I was interesting enough to make a documentary about, that would I would I would really like that. You're totally that interesting. <laughs> Thanks. You got like four massive things going on at the same time, yep. and you. I mean, it listen. If any documentarians are out there. I think I could be an interesting subject. (laughs) I could talk forever about (laughs) my life and my thoughts. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all I got. Um, Where can people find you? What are your your socials to find you, your music, the podcast? Yeah, pretty much all of my things are Emily Merrill Music. um, But Merrill is spelled weird, so watch out. It's M-E-R-R-E-L-L. So if you go to emilymerrillmusic.com, that's my website. Everything is there. Um, Instagram at emilymerrillmusic. Facebook at emilymerrillmusic. I'm not really on, what do they call it now, X? I'm not really on X. I'm not really on TikTok. Um, and then my podcast is Artifice, um, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E. And you can find that on, you know, anywhere podcasts are found. And you've been on your create-ativity. Yes. <laughs> I love you, man. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me, you guys. Pleasure meeting you. It's great to meet you. It's great to see you again. It's great to chat. Woop, woop. Woop, woop. Bye-bye. Woop, bye. Music on. The podcast is done, man. Ah, 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 ah.